Welcome to Metaverse Cast. In this episode, it's all about gaming and especially blockchain based gaming. By now, I think everybody agrees that this whole play to earn model, which was all the rage after we saw games like Axie Infinity, Yield Guild games, all these scholarships and all that kind of stuff where everybody has an idea that hey we can actually just play games and and the playing alone will just generate money so that we can make a living from just playing and that was a, a good thought nobody has succeeded building it yet and that's some of the stuff that I talked to Sasha, who is behind something called Polymus, which is both a blockchain-related university, you know, where you can learn a lot of, about you know, new games, what's up and what's happening in the scene, and also how to think about this whole blockchain-based gaming because i think play to earn is not is no longer a, a term that we're using at least until somebody has make it made it work without being like a pyramid scheme but sasha is talking about win to earn which is much more like an esports model which makes much more sense there's you know this whole sports game and and uh, you know, we, we talk about a super interesting model that is a little bit like how online poker works today. And again, Sasha and his crew are super experienced game creators. So I think this is a great example of people who actually doesn't know that much about blockchain, or at least they didn't until a year ago but they have a lot of game development experience. And I think that's the good balance. As we also talk, talk about in the interview, there's a lot of people who knows about blockchain, but has no clue about gaming that have set out to create games. And many of them, we're already seeing that, okay, it's, it's going to be a disaster. You know, they're probably not gonna make it, but there are people who are coming up from the actual triple a gaming industry and creating some super cool stuff which sasha also gives us some great tips on in this interview so let's hear from sasha and all about polemus hello sasha how are you doing hi Jesper. i'm doing well thanks for having me Thank you for taking the time. Uh, I'm curious about your project, but first of all, you know, tell us a little bit about you and, and how did you wind up where you are uh, now? We just talked off air that uh, you actually went to a Danish university and you speak a bit of Danish, but we decided to keep it in English uh, just so that a broader audience can understand. Yeah, that's right. So, so my name is Sasha. I'm the CEO at Polymus. 
So Polymus is a game five platform, um, which we can get into a little bit later. Uh, personally, my background is in web programming. Um, I've always been a huge gamer since my earliest childhood years, played competitively Counter-Strike as a teenager. Um, obviously back then you were, uh, you still had to pay in order to uh, play. Um, nowadays, if you're a skilled teenager, you play Fortnite and make millions <laughs> if you're lucky. Um, I took a detour, I got a master's degree in history. That's also when some of the years I lived in Denmark. Um, I was already working in the gaming industry back then as a freelancer, mostly focused on community management, then eventually joined the industry full time, um, became a VP of product in the gaming industries. So I was responsible for about 80 people, multiple games, uh, PC, mobile, in development and live already. Um, and then a few years ago, I left the industry because there was a lot of things that I wasn't satisfied with how traditional gaming was run. And you might have come across a lot of scandals over the last few years in, in, in a lot of the major companies. Um, and there's, there's kind of like was a, with a fair taste of, of what I experienced as well. Um, so I took an, just a lucrative IT manager position in the educational sector. And then from there, I came across GameFi as a concept last year. And that was before Axie Infinity really blew up. Um, so it was just like the idea about NFTs that I wasn't aware of before that, that, that really resonated with me because um, in gaming right now, obviously everything goes to, to, to the centralized companies. You're, you're at their mercy if they ban your account, if they delete your assets, all that kind of stuff. And the idea about having like basically the same offering as a gaming experience, but then have more ownership to the players was really, really um, interesting for me. So I researched it a little bit more over two, three days and was completely hooked. Um, so I quit my job as quickly as possible, stopped creating a different business, went all in, put my life savings into GameFi. So I took a huge risk there um, and then just tried to, to kind of like find my way in the industry. Um, I came across Alluvium, which is like one of the larger projects in the space, um, was very active in the community, became a mod, a lead mod, uh, got voted into their council twice. And via all these connections, I came across the other founders of Polymus. Uh, who wanted to, to team up uh, they have a great background and kind of like investments and a lot of other uh, high profile stuff so they were very well connected in the space and we teamed up and, and started uh, creating something that eventually ended up uh, becoming polymus uh, as a gamefi platform so that's how i ended up in the space cool that was fast you know from like less than a year from you that you uh, learn about nfts and uh, and now uh, you know, you have a, a blockchain-based uh, gaming platform. Yeah, it's true. Like, it, it went pretty pretty quickly. I mean, I I went into crypto in June last year. I was aware of crypto before, but that wasn't anything that really drew me in. And the hook with gaming, which I think is going to be kind of like what's going to be the main driver for, for the majority of people coming into crypto eventually, uh, that was it for me. And it took, like, three to four months between entering crypto and then actually founding a protocol or co-founding a protocol to be accurate. Okay, cool. Uh, so, so uh, yeah, there's a bunch of questions, but, but uh, let me just hear about, so what is uh, Polymus? Uh, what's it all about? Sure. So, so Polymus initially started out as kind of like a, an Illuvium focused guild. That was the concept when we uh, thought about founding. Um, and obviously, this, this, this was uh, on the back of uh, Yield Guild Games, YGG, having a very successful 
uh, and time in with in Axie, and it was this was before Merit Circle as another successful kind of like Axie scholarship focus guild having their major race in December. But we immediately saw when we kind of like ideated about the vision for Polemus in kind of like September, October, um, we immediately saw that this is not going to be sustainable. So this whole idea about play to earn as great as it is as a buzzword and marketing driver, it is just not sustainable if the majority of people that enter your protocol, your game, are there for the only purpose of extracting value. That liquidity needs to come from somewhere. And so when we were thinking about that, we kind of like thought about, okay, where does it go then after that? And for us, it has always been from the beginning, the idea about when to earn. So more of focus on competitive play. I mean, esports is rising ridiculously in traditional gaming already. And as soon as you add like high profile tournaments and, and increased price pools uh, via tokens as well, a lot of that esports uh, focus will move over to kind of like Web3. And so we thought, okay, instead of play to earn, let's go for winter and let's have a competitive focus. And then we ideated even further and figured like there are some key things missing in this space from a technology standpoint to actually just make GameFi a success in the first place. I mean, that's an industry that is literally at its infancy. So we then looked at what's missing in the space. And for us, there were kind of like two major things. And one is kind of like the, the support for adoption. So there's not one single source that you can go to and learn about how to enter blockchain gaming, to get an overview of a large amount of the existing games, to get in-depth insights into kind of like the strategy of games. So that's why we're building Polymus University. It's a custom developed learning management system fully focused on Web3. And it's going to feature like in-depth courses. It's going to feature one pages about games, game knowledge bases, all that kind of stuff. So this is pure education. And then you obviously have like, because people are now sitting on all their assets, you're going to have a lot of people, both in kind of like retail customers, but also large scale investors that are going to sit on assets they are not going to utilize. Now, initially, when, when all this NFT profile picture hype started, we were only talking about pictures. We weren't talking about utility. So you were only betting on price appreciation. But now with GameFi coming along, a lot of the value and yield to be gained actually requires you to put that asset to use. And... I mean, for example, Framework, one of our uh, lead investors from, from since the first round is, is obviously a large fund. They, they raised another round, uh, sorry, another fund, 400 million. I think uh, half of that or something like that is supposed to go into GameFi. Like there's no way that uh, investors at this scale will be able to work all the assets that, that they are in possession of. So we were thinking that how can you then put those assets to use and benefit it from a protocol perspective? And that's what we're building the Polymus Armory for. So the Armory will be an opportunity for selective integrated games for anyone, retail, just a regular player with one asset or large scale investors to stake those assets into the pool. Uh, so there's an asset staking pool and that's all they need to do. And then it's the protocol on the other side that puts those assets to use. That could be in, inside of a lending, renting library, or it could be in something like scholarship programs. And there's gonna be a different term when we actually launch. We're not very keen on this like term scholarship because it uh, kind of like misrepresents what we actually wanna do. 
Um, but it's just like the term that is usually thrown around currently. Um, but I, somehow we're going to put the assets to use and get passive income basically for the asset holders. And then we're going to add a huge data layer on top with like BI features that require, uh, sorry, that provide metagame analytics, yield efficiency reports, suggestions how to improve your gameplay or your farming efficiency, that kind of stuff. Okay. All right, that's a lot. Uh, my first initial thought is like, okay, I understand and agree with this whole play to earn thing. You know, if mm -hmm. people are there to extract from the system, it doesn't work. Uh, you know, new liquidity has to constantly come in. And historically, if if we are late enough to be able to call it that already, <laughs> it has been based on new players coming in, like constant yeah. stream of, of new players coming in, which reminds very much about the Ponzi model, right? Uh, which we pretty much all agree that we don't like. So still, okay, play to win. Okay. But again, where's the money coming from? That liquidity, you know, what, what is that come from sponsorships then? Or, you know, how does that work? In esports, it's mainly sponsorships, like regular sports, right? So, so if you do it, you know, what's the difference? I mean, if you look at traditional gaming right now, um, there's millions billions of money being made just on cosmetics um they they don't provide any gameplay value outside of flexing um and so what we need the game space to evolve into and and it's going to happen at least at its like first iteration in in the next wave of games coming out end of this year somewhere throughout the next year is we need to put games first gameplay first And then we need to add the benefits of blockchain technologies, which is ownership through NFTs, which is the, the kind of like opportunity to cash out on stuff you've put a lot of uh, money and time into. That needs to be an addition to what makes gaming the most successful entertainment industry in the world. Um, and as long as that is the kind of way we think about it, it's going to be more easy to actually have people extract value because there are people willing to put liquidity into the protocol, into the game, just based on pure entertainment and fun. I mean, if you look at games like League of Legends or Fortnite, they, th that's some of the most successful games ever. And we're not just talking player numbers, we're talking revenue as well. But they are not sitting there with a pay-to-win model shilling you thousands of dollars worth of assets just so that you're competitive most of it if not all of it is pure cosmetics now you can obviously create e e economies that also leverage some kind of um, asset selling straight from the game developer to the players but but the fact that the ga traditional gaming has proven that sustainable economies can be built around models that do not require people to constantly extract value as long as the game is good that's kind of like enough proof that we need we just need the right projects to kind of like pull this off in web3 and the way that we're looking at it right now is most of the players that are active in this space right now are not necessarily real gamers just like not all of them there's a lot of kind of like DeFi community in there that is mainly there for the earning potential 
And we now need the good games, the quality games to come out that people want to spend time and money on just for the sake of gaming. And then they can leverage the additional part of potentially earning if they are good. So does that involve some kind of like, uh, you know, people like to call it a creator economy so that if, you know, in terms of the cosmetics, you know, if I create skins uh, and sell them, in 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 the games uh, that that's the the deal uh where is it because you mentioned that one option is it could come from the game developers which obviously it can you know there's plenty of models for that uh but i know in like dota and league of legends you know there's a lot of people creating content like skins and stuff for the games which is creating uh, like a second layer of economy is that kind of the idea as well It's definitely going to be a part of it. I think user-generated content is is something that is going to really stand out compared to traditional gaming in terms of earning potential. I mean, just because like as soon as games start offering the opportunity for, let's say, just their regular community to create items, to create NFTs, uh, like fully customized and then start selling them on the marketplace, That is really where where at least some of the large scale differences to traditional gaming uh, gaming will come from. And there are games out there already that kind of like have that maybe at least adjacently in their model or even at the core. I mean, Shrapnel is definitely a game that will be heavily, it's a first person shooter on Avalanche or it's going to be um, that that is going to have cosmetics in, in like included in the economy. Um, I've seen other games that, that are kind of looking to, to take the uh, cosmetic route as well. A big time is a game where the cosmetics are the only thing that is actually in an NFT. Um, whereas the, let's say, gameplay relevant items that, that are more like centralized on their servers, just to make sure that that this is kind of like problems that came up in Axie Infinity, for example, where the gameplay relevant items increased in, in kind of like price. And suddenly you had an entry barrier of a several hundred dollars for new people to, to even start playing because the, the, like the key items that, that everyone needed were so expensive. So I think there's, a, there's an argument to be made to as long as we're still like getting this industry off the ground that a, a certain degree of centralism inside of how game economies are being built in Web3, it does make sense. But I do think as you kind of like pointed towards in, in your question, I do think user-generated content will be massive over time when it comes to earning potential. All right. Uh, so, and I'm not so familiar with Illuvium uh, and, mm-hmm. and probably I'm not the only one. So, so but Illuvium, that's a, a protocol, like a blockchain, just like uh, Solana or what's the, or what is it? No, I- Illuvium is a game. So it's actually, it's a gaming studio that is going to release multiple games. Um, they are currently working on uh, Illuvium Zero, which is kind of like a, a side mini game. It's still f- completely tied into the main kind of like protocol economy, but that's going to be more like a casual um, city building type of game. But the main game they are working on is uh, a combination of an auto battler, kind of like in the in the likes of Team Fight Tactics, and a more a, a creature capturing type of game similar to Pokemon. So basically you, you have an, an, a kind of like a 3D overworld type of uh, scenario where you have a character, you venture out, you find some resources, you can craft some items and you kind of like notice their 
there's some weird stuff happening around you um, and then you can jump into some kind of uh, battle scenario with these creatures that you've encountered in the overworld and then you battle it out in this auto battler type of mechanic so it's basically team fight tactic meets pokemon that's kind of like the easiest pitch for it obviously there's more depth to it but uh, at like at a high level that's probably the easiest way to to put it out oh okay so because my well, the reason i asked was and it turns out it was good that i did because my assumption was wrong <laughs> and that's how it is with assumptions they are as we say the mother of all fuck-ups so uh that was uh, you know because I can totally see that you have the the armory, you know, I I have some uh, gaming NFTs myself spread out on various uh, blockchains and various games, you know, mm-hmm. I've been curious about. And to be honest, uh, some of them I don't really follow that much anymore because mm-hmm. the development is going to be years before the game is actually out. And there's a lot of stuff going on, you know, with the all kinds of stuff that they're doing to keep the community alive. And, and I don't find that super interesting. I'm just, you know, I want to play the game when it's mm. done kind of thing. Uh, so my my thought was, okay, cool. I can see myself uh, probably acquiring more of those game assets in time. And as you say, most likely some of them I will utilize. And then I can, you know, stake them uh, in a uh, an armory and then people can use them. But they are spread out on multiple different blockchains. So mm-hmm. what's your approach to that? I mean, Polymus is game agnostic and Polymus is chain agnostic. Obviously, it is going to require time to integrate games from multiple chains. I mean, it's always dependent on where they exactly reside and, and how centralized they are because it's, it's different to, to kind of like incorporate assets that sit on the Ethereum main layer versus something like IMX or Polygon and Solana is completely different again. But we're building uh, the, like our protocol from, from a chain in game agnostic uh, perspective. And then we're selectively start integrating one game after another that kind of like looks like a good fit for us. Um, and, and that's kind of like the approach we're taking here. So we're, we're not going to be bound to just a game or a chain. We're going to look to expand Binance, BNB chain, like really dependent on where the players are in the end, because that's where GameFire is going to succeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, so so what games is, is uh, do you plan to start with? That is really still uh, something we're looking into. Now, a uh, majority of the platform is built. Um, and we're looking at a soft launch for especially more the like educational data analytics side uh, somewhere I want to say within the next one or two months uh, without putting any kind of like hard deadlines here because they, they, the main issue for us is most of the games in Web3, at least like the high profile ones people are waiting for, uh, most of them have delayed their launches. And if you want to provide game education, if you want to integrate assets, if you want to put out data analytics, you kind of need the games to be there. You can't really create anything of that without the games being available. Um, So what we're doing currently is we're preparing as much educational content and analytics that we can for some selective games that are already somehow playable, uh, either an open beater, closed beater, maybe even launched fully. Um, So that's something we're working through right now for the soft launch perspective. But that's not going to include the armory yet. and for the armory itself which is kind of like the, the foundation of the main tech stack launch 
The first game there is still to be determined. It was okay. supposed to be Alluvium. Um, it still might be. But if since we're dependent on third parties to deliver, we obviously need to keep an eye on who is going to deliver when and what makes sense for us. Niluvian will for sure be integrated. Whether or not it's going to be the first one is kind of like dependent on release dates of Illuvium and other games. Yeah, okay. So I'm curious. Uh, I've, I seem to, uh, I follow a few uh, people in the game, <laughs> like uh, Game Fi uh, world. And, and for me right now, what pops up is uh, first-person shooters um, seems to be the thing at the moment. I don't know if it's me, but I'm not a first-person shooter guy. Never was. Uh, I played, you know, the first-person shooter I played the most was probably uh, like Duke Nukem and uh, and some Battlefield, right? That was, uh, that was uh, fun. But yeah. otherwise, you know, Counter-Strike and the, and the likes, I've never played it mm-hmm. except from once or twice. I'm more like a you know a World of Warcraft uh, kind of guy, uh, adventure. <laughs> yeah. That's the alliance flag of World yeah, of Warcraft. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, you know some RTS, and uh, you know one of my favorite games uh, back in the days was uh, Civilization. <laughs> uh, so so I've been kind of looking out. Is there what's going on in that area? I mean, there's a lot of stuff happening. To, I mean, yes, first-person shooters are kind of the rage, at least in, in some uh, communities right now. And that's just because they are in general. I mean, it's a great game yeah. for esports, uh, very entertaining. Uh, a lot of players in general play uh, first-person shooters. So there is a reason for that, obviously. Um, from a Polymus perspective, like we're more focused on a broad range of genres to be covered. We're not like siloing in on one particular genre. And that's because we're, we're kind of like following the approach of, of three core goals. Like the first one is metaverse adoption. We're kind of like looking at this from a user acquisition perspective, bridging people from traditional gaming into uh, the, the GameFi space. And then we have community engagement, which is kind of like user retention. So you're bringing them in, you're retaining them with education, entertainment, and all that stuff. And then the third goal is esports dominance, and where we're kind of like just uh, living up to like this competitive spirit that we're trying to ingrain in our uh, protocol culture, community culture. And we're not looking at doing that exclusively for first-person shooter games. So what we're like, if you look at the roster of games that we've partnered with so far officially. It includes Alluvium, obviously, which is more like an auto-battler, 3D uh, adventure, kind of like capturing game. Then you have uh, Block Lords. Block Lords is more kind of like, and and I hope they don't kind of like butcher me for it, but I would say it's from what we've seen so far, it's kind of like a combination of Total War and the, um, ah, I forgot the name. Might get back to that. Um, it's it's like mo- much more of the medie- medieval strategy type of uh, games, um, and then uh, we've also partnered with the Harvest. That's a three D person shooter with mobile elements. Um, that's another one. Monkey League is is another partner of ours. That's a turn based like football, soccer, depending on where you're coming from, but kind of yeah. like football focused game. So we're looking at, at a variety of, of different games out there. And I know I haven't mentioned all of our partners. So if anyone uh, listens to this, uh, 
place. There, there was no prioritization in here. Um, uh, all the partners and games were, were, were working with uh, are amazing. I just wanted to kind of like highlight that um, this is not like GameFi is not just about first person shooters. There is a lot of stuff happening when it comes to RPGs or MOBAs or simulation games, strategy games. Um, and I, I think 2023 is really where we're going to see all the stuff that is being built by experienced game developers. Because um, I think like for me personally, crypto, all this stuff you need to be successful uh, in Web3 and learn from a crypto perspective. It's much easier for a experienced game developer to learn the crypto part than it is for a crypto expert to learn the game development part. So, and we've seen a huge amount of talented decade experience Web2 game developers enter the space now, already building for a few months, maybe a year. And next year is really where I see like several of those games hitting open beta or something like that. And I think that's what's going to kick off the real birth of, of GameFi adoption. Well, what are some of the games that you personally, uh, either from a Polymus perspective or just because you're curious, are kind of like keeping an eye on and, and uh, looking forward to see how that turns out? Um, I mean, sh Blocklords, Shrapnel, Alluvium are certainly in the mix. Um, there's uh, Cards of Eternity from Ether Games, um, Civitas, Big Time. Um, one game that I've been incredibly <laughs> addicted to in the first round of Alpha, which was like not a lot of gameplay yet, was Omega Royale. Okay. Um, it just a, like a tower defense uh, kind of game, like super addictive. Uh, a lot of our people in the community played it. Uh, Cloud Castles is something I'm very uh, much anticipating from Digital Insight Games. Um, their, their white paper is, 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 is amazing. It's, it's one of the best ones I've, I've read in, in, in like a game related in free space. Um, first of all, the quality is just like incredibly high, not just like from their background, they're looking at building their own lore in, in, into everything. And, and they, they just have a, an incredibly experienced game development team overall. So uh, JVC, who is also like prior to that, founded Tryon, which like developed Rift. He has like decades of experience at the highest level, worked at EA, was responsible for the Common and Conquer franchise and uh, creator of Heroes and Might and Magic. And they, if you look at the Vita of their kind of like key mem team members, uh, it's, it's like just incredible. Um, and you can really see that through, like, if you look through the white paper, the, like the thoughts they put into the, the game economy, their game features, how that ties together with their token, which obviously is something new, doesn't exist in Web2 traditional gaming. Um, just from having read, like, I don't know how many game white papers over the last year, um, it, that certainly is one of the, if not the best one from my personal perspective so far, which doesn't mean there haven't been other great ones, but as soon as you do a ranking, you can always just have one that is number one. That, that's the whole yeah. purpose of ranking. So um, do you think, do you think that's, uh, you know, just because what you know from your own experience in terms of, uh, you know, recognizing uh, the, uh, you know, 
great people have built great stuff before mm. or has it also is there also something around your per your own personal preference in in games uh you know just out of curiosity um it's both like yeah. I'm, i'm looking when i look at games in this space um personally i play a lot of different genres myself um rpgs mmos um card games i do dabble in shooters not as much as i did as a teenager back then i do like rts but also not competitively anymore um so i, I play almost everything but i wouldn't follow everything from a personal uh, standpoint compared to what i'm following right now for example the harvest amazing game awesome uh, awesomely entertaining our community is super on top of it we're dominating what little there is to dominate right now in in kind of like beater uh, uh, times but uh, what i personally probably am not going to play it a, a lot because it's so shooter focused um i'll definitely play it every now and then because i think from a shooter perspective and that kind of like mobile shooter combination perspective i think what they do is amazing it's just not something i would spend the majority of my time on for my personal play preference yeah and I'll, like you can only play so much the day has 24 hours you're working you have a private life etc etc and i do prefer some other game types a little bit more personally um but i do follow these kind of games just like For out of interest out of like watching what's happening in the esports scene and then also obviously from the perspective of kind of like uh, polymers and and us being across like all genres in general yeah okay one thing uh, that popped into my mind was uh, you know the play to win model you talked about when when it's assets from other games That's you know the whole uh, let's call it the play to earn model uh, out of a lack of a better term. It, that's not really in your control, is it? If if you are, are you only looking to like put assets in the armory that that is play to win uh, based, or what's your thoughts on that? Not at all. Um, first of all, just to 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 not not be nitpicking, but I'd actually much rather call it win to earn. Um, because that's where the earning part comes in. Um, you gotta, you got to win, uh, win in to order earn, to yeah. earn. Yeah. Um, it's a little, a little bit easier for people to understand. At least that's my feeling when when I was talking about it so far. Now the games that we're integrating in the armory or will be integrating in the armory, they don't have to be uh, competitively esports focused. They just need great utility for the NFTs that are existing in their game. Because that means there is an interest in other people to acquire them. That could be in order to just be more efficient in farming resources or because they, they want to rent out some cosmetics for a time and just look good. Like that's really going to be game dependent. And we do have a competitive focus from a protocol perspective overall, but that doesn't mean that anything like everything we do has to have this kind of like esports aspect we're very much focused on bridging like traditional gaming as much as possible which means we do want to educate people on games as well that are not kind of like mostly focusing on on esports or competitiveness yeah i'm, I'm just uh having a hard time to 
kind of understand, and then I'm usually not the only one, is if you have this, you know, win to earn model, the only way that that is possible is if you do, if you develop your own game, right? Uh, maybe like when I'm saying win to earn, that's more my idea about how the game space and game economies will evolve. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a foundation of how Polymus is planning okay. to make revenue. Yeah. Now it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That was, uh, you know, like a, a perspective on the development and not something that's definitely like a Polymus uh, no. focus. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Because if you look at it from, from like, there, there are two ways, at least two, two major ways, how um, win to earn as a concept could become the norm going forward in Web3. One is obviously if games are good enough that people spend money on the games just for entertainment perspectives, which traditional gaming has proven, $100 billion plus industry, people spend it every day, constantly increasing. Um, this is just entertainment. Now, people are willing to spend on good games. That's just a fact. Now, if that is translated into Web3, this would mean that if a game developer makes, let's say, millions and millions in cosmetic revenue, they could funnel some of those millions into price pools that are for competitive purposes paid out as rewards. Suddenly you have, if you're a good player, a win to earn kind of scenario. Now, the other way around is you could tie this mentality of, or this, this idea about win to earn into your key econom economy. And I, I do think shrapnel does that. But, but please, any shrapnel guys, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but there's like the, the idea about, you could imagine it more like a, a poker table buy-in. So you have this concept where in order to enter a play session, you have to come with a set of gear yourself. Um, that obviously holds some value. It might just be 50 cents or $5 or something, but you enter with a set of value yourself. You have this buy-in into the table and then you play your play session. You go around, you shoot people, you capture their loot. That means everything that you gain is actually being put in by someone else. So the protocol itself, the game itself is not bleeding liquidity. It is redistributing liquidity that was put in. But in order for you to make a profit, you would have then again, the win to earn concept. Obviously, if everyone buys in for 10 bucks and this is redistributed based on uh, winning, it's the good people that make a profit. And it's the others that hopefully will keep paying despite losing because they do it for entertainment uh, purposes. Yeah. Yeah, I can see. And, and then... Uh... Obviously, we match that with a ranking system so that it's actually fun to play. You know, yes. you put in your five dollars for the match, and then uh, you you play against equals, and then uh, you know you, you. I can imagine that it would probably uh, it would be a little bit like those slot machines, uh, or you know the the not slot machines, but those like uh, computer games at the local uh, grill bar, right? You know, outrun exactly. and that kind of stuff. Where it's like, ah, okay, one more go, one more go. And I just uh, thought, you know, when we initially, I was in a, in a, in a group playing uh, World of Warcraft and we like to play these, uh, this, the, um, the cap with like uh, one to zero, one to 10 levels uh, capture the flag mm -hmm. uh, track where we would just like totally boost these uh, low level characters 
with every mm-hmm. possible gear at the time because we yeah. had high level characters to farm all the gear and all that kind of stuff and that was super fun uh because we were and it was very simple at this low level mm-hmm. uh type and and I, I remember on our server it that kind of raised a little leak uh, on its own because we knew that okay now we are up against a group that are doing the same thing as we are and yeah. then we had to be super good everybody had the exact same gear and uh, mm-hmm. it was all about communication and tactics and uh, in a very very simple uh, like battlefield yeah and that was super fun and I can imagine that we would probably if it had been available back then. You know, say, okay, let's, uh, you know, I'm going to play for like, uh, whatever, 20 bucks tonight. And that'll be like four games. If we lose all of them, then I, you know, I I could see that happen easily. Yeah. You just need to look at online poker. I mean, online poker is a massive industry and there's no way that all of them go out of that winning all the time. Like that's just, that's just not how it works. You have a buy-in table, the house takes a card, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like, I mean, obviously there's the gambling part in it. So there, there's addictiveness, et cetera, et cetera. Leaving that unfortunate side uh, to uh, thing to the side now. Still, there are a lot of people that are not addictive and still constantly keep playing. Yeah. Um, just because it's fun for them, it's entertainment, and they value um, the time they get for the money they lose. If yeah. I go to the cinema and I pay 20 bucks or something for 90 minutes of, of entertainment, it's just exactly the same. Yeah. So as long as what I get out of it as an entertainment factor is worth the money I put in, people in games as proven will put the money in. Yeah. And if that is put into an economy model where it's redistributed, then suddenly you have a sustainable economy. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um I think that rounds it up pretty sweet. One of yeah. one of the questions that I always ask people is, and I think you've already answered, but uh, but maybe there's another answer. Uh, you want? I want to consider gaming in the future. Let's just gaming in the future. What are you personally looking most forward to in how you imagine gaming in the future? That depends how far you want to go. Um, decide. Um, so short term for me, if I'm talking like the next five years, roughly, I do think uh, within five years, we've reached a point where a majority of at least new games coming out will have some form of NFT, NFT integration, whether or not that's a hybrid one like big time where it's just a cosmetics or a, an even further one where gameplay relevant uh, items will will be nfts as well that that's to be seen but i do think within five years we've reached the point where the majority of of new games coming out at least more, more sophisticated games will have this kind of integration now going beyond and esports will continue to rise there's like i have no doubts about that what do you, you know the, i agree but what is the thing that you personally are looking most forward to when you consider gaming as you see it in the future um that is how mmos can evolve and kind of like make a comeback um in terms of the depth of economy that goes into an mmo basically bundled together with the fact that nfts tokens all that kind of stuff basically puts the economy for real into players hands 
I do think as, as soon as, and that's probably a couple of years from here, as soon as we have triple A MMOs with full NFT kind of like token economies coming into the space, that's really going to kind of like start a, a new era of, of MMOs as well. And certainly one that I'll need to be careful not <laughs> diving in yeah, all time, 24-7 <laughs> by then. Um, yeah. yeah. In my days of the world, what are, one of the things that I'm looking forward to uh, is because one of the things I also liked with the World of Warcraft it was the auction house. Exactly. I really liked to play the auction house. I was actually... Yeah almost like a day trader on the auction house because I understood the entire ecosystem. I understood what items was what and what people needed for what and what was cheap and what was not. Yeah. So I was, I was just as much playing the auction house. Uh, and that was just super cool. And I think if you can, you know, generate some value in that, that, you know, not necessarily to be extracted, but can be used for other assets in maybe other games and this yeah. like uh, interoperability and all that kind of stuff uh, talk. Uh, that would be super, super, super interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you just have to look at it like um, roughly 20 years ago when I was still in high school, I was playing Dark Age of Camelot, one of like the earlier, more successful games prior to the World of Warcraft area. And I was a very, very highly advanced crafter in that game. Like I was... And I had people literally waiting for me to, to come home from high school in order to log in. And then there was like this row of people that were waiting for me to craft stuff for them. They could have gone elsewhere, but I had like this one percentage less likely fail chance because of my equipment. I had like fair prices. I delivered quickly, blah, 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 blah. And as soon as you have this kind of like reputation building in web three and the game economy that you can actually benefit from is real economy. It's just going to put a whole new layer to this whole aspect of reputation and earning potential by someone that is like really, really in depth into one game's economy. Yeah, I can see that. That's going to be interesting. Thank you very much for your time, Sasha. It was yeah. a super cool uh, conversation. I'm looking Absolutely. forward to following uh, Polymus. Thank you for having me. It was a great chat. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I thought it was super cool to actually talk to somebody who was that much, much into gaming and also playing himself and having a mutual understanding about, okay, none of us wants this Ponzi model we think that it's super interesting to be able to own our own gaming assets. We also realize that gaming is what gaming is. It's a billion dollar industry and people are there to have fun and uh, spend money buying on st stuff that makes them feel good. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the extra layer of having owning your assets and, and things like that is just something that could make it even cooler. And there and another, you know, all the stuff that NFTs can bring into games, if we're not considering um, this whole like play to earn where people are just there to you know, like suck value out of the game. But you can actually, you know, 
create something and you can trade it uh, for real. And, you know, we, we talked about you know, the auction house in World of Warcraft, which is one of my favorite references. Uh, and I think it would be awesome if, if that was just blockchain based. But I also know that it brings some complications, you know, because for game studios to afford developing games, they need to have cash. So having something that can accumulate in-game and then create value in real life so that, okay, maybe you can't trade it for dollars, but if you can trade it for other game assets, that creates an economy and it probably costs more than a whole bunch of two-handed battle axes to develop a game. So some cash has to come into the ecosystem in some shape or form. But I think it's a positive development considering the thing we talked about, which you can have tournaments as a little bit like a poker table. You know, everybody puts in $5 or $10 to play, and somebody walks away with a price, but everybody knows that the house, in this case the game studio, are making probably most of the money. That's how the business works, and that's how they can keep developing the games. But there is still something to compete for in some shape or form. That could be NFTs, or it could be you know, a token, or something that's tradable for real money, or you know, other, other value in-game or something like that. We've seen plenty of examples. Uh, we brought off World of Warcraft a lot uh, because that's something, a similar reference we had. Uh, but I think definitely it's a good idea. I like the thought that these experienced game creators are moving into the blockchain game territory because it seems more uh, thought through, <laughs> to be honest. And there's not this whole gold rush idea, you know, where we buy uh, these gaming assets and then we're going to flip them because we haven't seen that work yet. It just ends up destroying the games so far. But let's see what the future brings. Thank you very much for listening. I'll catch you in the next one.